Welcome back. It is that time once again, half past goon. I'm Steven Venata, and I am so happily here today with my two co-hosts, Joey Piccarello Me. and Thomas Murdoch. That's, I'm the second one. Usually He's he does me first. One. I wanted to give Joe some love today. Yeah, actually, I really Fine. appreciate that, Steven. You know, guys, I was driving in to get the train today back to New York. Right. And going 170 miles per hour smoking no, crack. No, no, we're not <laughs> not just yet. That's later in the story once I get to DC. Okay. Before okay. then, I, I was listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was actually listening to to Bloomberg Economics. That's besides the point, but there's this really old guy on there. the Pipples station on Sirius XM. Yeah, you should, you know, you I, should tune this, in. This story wouldn't have came up if I did. You know, that's what I usually <laughs> listen to. But luckily, luckily I wasn't. Um, and I was listening and there are these old ass men talking about economics, sitting around microphones, just like us. You know, they're not that different. It's very inspiring. So you're saying one day we could be on Bloomberg News talking about. I'm saying whatever that it was actually pretty cool to think like we're kind of doing the same thing yeah we are we're exactly the same as the people on bloomberg exactly and and our stories are 100 percent as serious and and they matter and they all matter well they matter they're serious and they matter i don't understand speaking of you guys hear about Mm. the coke in the white house I didn't just hear about it. I got a taste. You, you, you sniffed the Coke in the White House? Let's just say I know the guy who first found it. Okay. And it was going for a pretty penny around D.C. Yeah. Whose was it? Who doesn't, who doesn't want to smoke D.C. White House crack? I think it was snort. I think, they were, I think it was cocaine. Yeah. That's a, what's that white Thomas, I don't need a lecture from you on how to do illicit drugs. I'm sorry. You're right. That's the last thing I need in my life right now. But if you were on Twitter today, you probably saw a video of Hunter Biden going like this with his nose at the at the oh, rubby rub at the at the July fourth party, and coincidentally, the same day news broke that on Sunday, Secret Service found a, a Ziploc bag full of cocaine in the White House. Look. It could have been anyone. It could have been anybody's cocaine. Why? I don't. I don't understand why we immediately jump to the coke addicts. I don't. I don't like how. <laughs> I don't like how you're trying to use our platform, Thomas, to to vilify promote. Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's enough platforms out there trying to do that. I feel like there are plenty of people in the White House that probably do coke on a daily. Oh, one hundred percent. I feel like most 100%. people are just jealous of Hunter Biden because he's so sexy. That's true. true. Well, I don't know. I feel like he'd be sexy if he lost the beard. I don't like the beard. Interesting take. What are you trying to say? Like the beard. I'm saying that, you know, it's graying a little bit now. You know, it's a little messy. It is, but I don't think, you know, I definitely agree that he he could be this hunk of a man. Yeah. But the beard, it might be holding him back. Definitely not the cocaine addiction. Yeah, the crack's not, doesn't give you any red flags. No, honestly. Did you guys see a coke addict fail son of the current U.S. president? Mm-hmm. I see a guy just trying to catch a vibe. Yeah. A common theme, C- coke, coke addicted sons of presidents. 
Yeah, very common theme. Definitely very, very common. That's not even you, a joke. You're slandering the name of our president-in-chief. Yeah, and it, and it is Biden's fault that his son does drugs. Okay, so. that's fucked up. Fuck you. <laughs> this was found in the visitor center. Actually. It was found in the West so, Wing. Probably not Hunter Biden's. Possibly. Hey. We'll leave it. We'll leave it up there for speculation. Um, but this is just a fun little story that was that was trending. Uh, Biden didn't leave any comments on it. I don't actually know what the White House's official comment was or if uh, any. I think their official, the Secret Service's official comment is they think it was a tour, a Tory that was trying to dr- drop their coke in the White House because they didn't want it anymore. That's pretty funny. I don't know. That's it's actually it's so funny. The weirdest part is nobody is accusing President Biden of having the coke, and that but I don't you understand. just did. You just you did. I didn't accuse him. You just know. I said it was his fault that his son. Is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Right? No. I don't. now. I am slightly inclined to believe your theory that it is President that it was Biden. President Biden who did the coke. Right. Only because. Seemingly overnight, President Biden has churned out a entirely new economic policy called Bidenomics. So smooth, Steve. So smooth. Keep Honestly, going. master of transitions. I, I, I trust me. I know. But what's even smoother is that name, Bidenomics. Yeah, Bidenomics like is a good name. I like name. that. It really helps when you have an E in your name. Donald Trump could never. True. Trumponomics. <laughs> true. Reaganomics. Very Biden-omics. true. Like, you would feel like it would be a little bit of a cringy name. No, right? who, would, who would feel that? Well, like, if, <laughs> you know, when you're just putting your name and combining it with economics. <laughs> and I mean, you feel like, especially from, like, the Biden administration, you know, like. Steven. It, it, I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy, but Stevenomics would would go hard. Stevenomics. <laughs> you, um, should get, you should get to work on that. You would. I'll. I'll work. I'll. Maybe I need some of the coke from the White House. Almanomics. 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 It's not works, terrible. Though. It's not terrible. But um, you would think that people would would take this and be like, "That's cringy." Biden administration is trying to pander to the fucking woke mind virus, but I really like it. I really like it. If there's one thing we know, it's that Gen Z and the younger demographic of American voters love a little nickname. Yeah. So it's true. It's good politics. So the slogan is middle out, bottom up. Joe, since you've done some incredible research on this, resident economics expert Joe Piccarello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, So basically, the idea is you're taking on Reaganomics, right? Reaganomics is the classic, like, America loves Reaganomics. America loves Ronald Reagan, bullshit, whatever. Used to love Reagan. Not anymore. Um, we hate Reagan now we as a country. Reagan and we're proud. Yeah. Um, but the idea behind Reaganomics is this idea that we call trickle-down economics, which is the idea that if you cut taxes for corporations and the wealthiest americans that money will trickle down to the um to the rest of the nation the, the, yeah the middle class and it'll it'll grow the middle class and it'll grow the wages of the poor poor americans 
And the idea is that like, oh, if you give rich people more money, they're going to spend it on creating jobs and they're going to reinvest it in their business. Building libraries. Building, li- building yeah, right. libraries. Well, it's all bullshit. None of it ever happened. What? We've been doing it for the last 40 years and it doesn't work. Historically been- speaking, giving all the money to just a couple people, it hasn't worked out? That's crazy. It's news to <laughs> Reagan, I guess. But mm-hmm. also not because he was a ghoul. Um, so we're in a new era now. Uh, America is much more progressive than it was 40 years ago. We elected Reagan in a landslide. We just ousted uh, Donald Trump for a uh, a woke, a very woke socialist, communist mm-hmm. mix of a president. Right. Um, hates the country. Hates, hates America. <laughs> um, so Bidenomics is, instead of trickling down... Uh, wealth it's growing from the middle out the bottom up so the growing opposite the... of the submarine implosion wow that was good that wow, was good nice. and not and late at all not <laughs> <laughs> that was right on time steven um so it's basically like a it's a combination of it's a co- it's a cosmic gumbo it's a cosmic gumbo of uh keynesian economics the idea that if you if you tax the wealthy and reinvest in the nation, mm. uh, you'll grow the economy Com- combined yeah. with pro-union policy. Uh, a, 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 a president who is supportive of the pro act, uh, which is a, um, a, a pro-union um, le- piece of legislation, which never passed, but he's, he's pro it. Um, pro at it. Yeah. And it's kind of coming at the perfect time, this rebranding of Bidenomics, mm. because we have, uh, we had just in Q1 of 2023, we had 2% GDP growth, which is a revision up from the 1.2% that originally um, they marked it as. So it's actually a, a pretty substantial amount of growth for a nation supposedly entering a recession, which it's <laughs> economists have been predicting. Any day last, now. Any yeah, day now. It's coming. It's coming, guys. Years. It's coming. Unemployment's at 3.6%, lower than 4%, which means we're effectively at full employment, um, which is excellent. Um, and the uh, the PCE is at 3.8%, which is the lowest it's been since 2021, which means that inflation is continuing to fall. So the economy, the indicators of the economy are strong currently, and they're getting stronger month by month. Um, so effectively... It's not necessarily about what Bidenomics is about, but it's the brand that Bidenomics is attempting to uh, assume, which is this strong growth, low inflation, low unemployment, competition for small businesses, um, all that good stuff, reinvestment, raising taxes. Love that stuff. That's Bidenomics yeah. for you. And so yeah, I think- every. I think the Republicans have been pretty successful in branding Biden's first couple years of the presidency as, oh, he's he's a nice guy, but his economy stinks. And it's just not it's just not true. It's not. It's not. And, you know, everything you just talked about is something that is so incredibly common sense. You know, we have all the statistics we we have for the everyday person or rather for not the everyday person, the economic like the people who are really invested in numbers and metrics to show how the economy is doing. We have those to back it up. But then you also have this message that is just so focused in common sense, investing in the everyday person 
will reward the economy more than it costs. Absolutely. And that's something that, as a citizen, makes me feel proud, right? That makes me feel like I have a future. My generation has a future. The generation after me has a future in front of it. Because we're putting money. (laughs) You have nothing to do with it. (laughs) And that kind of gives me this 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 vision that as a country we're taking steps to make it better than we left it right and with that comes economic increases for the future it's common it's like people need to disassociate the idea of oh we pay taxes for the military and police and that's that's true we pay taxes to those in uh those things but we should also begin to associate paying taxes with growing our community with building roads, building bridges, water slides, slides, (laughs) universities, uh, like all the programs that help. What? Trains Trains is a big one. Trains is a big one. I love trains. And it's, it's really, really important to see because I think this could be the first steps to something much greater in America. Something we probably won't see over the next, five to 10 years, but much further than the line where we have essentially turned our backs to the kind of a vision where we believe in public investment to grow our future, right? Since, since Reagan, you know, we kind of turned it all around and this is the first step going back towards that. If it works, if the messaging works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if the messaging works, it's true. Well, I have a, Mm-hmm. I have a suspicion, though, and this is not just me being a partisan hack, but I have a suspicion this messaging will work because usually, well, it's got a fancy name. It's got a great name. It's got an effective name, but not only just that, it's Republicans tend to dominate economic polling because Republicans focus on economic messaging. So te- typically... Typically, they go, inflation's too high. Your taxes are too high. Everything is too high. If you elect me, I'll bring everything down. Taxes? Who needs them? Right. Hmm. But instead, because of, in large part, Ron DeSantis, Republicans are now focused on culture war issues. And they've always been focused on culture war issues generally. They've been focused on hating Muslims, hating gay people, hating just hating usually. But now they're only focused on hating trans people focused on hating gay people, focused on hating immigrants. They're, they're hyper-focused on these culture war issues, and they're not spending any time defining the metrics of the economy. It also doesn't help that all of the economic hubs in America are blue states and all the red states are being propped up by states like New York and California. Yeah. But I, I didn't say it. Sorry, Kentucky. If you have a problem with that, email me. I don't know. <laughs> I I just hope that you know this can set the the next steps in place where you know there is the chance that you're ta- you're saying where the messaging doesn't follow through. You know, it feels like it will to me as as someone who doesn't follow economic factors too incredibly closely. You know, just hearing the name and and what it's about, I feel confident in it, and I think a lot of you know, third party voters, undecided voters could feel the same way, especially with how quickly we have recovered 
you know, in the past couple of years. Right. Republicans um, love to use the the recovery from the pandemic as like a way to say like that it's not that impressive because oh like yeah. the numbers were so bad in 2020 of course there's going to be growth but like it, it's not a bad thing that there's that there's economic growth like that should be not, celebrated it's not just that there's economic growth it's the fact that our economic growth is better than our fellow countries very you true, know people yeah. who who we are right beside we went through the exact same thing we are doing better coming out of it you yeah. know and I, I really hope that the Democratic Party can see the success in it and, and continue with this messaging and the actual follow through for, for it. And less so than that, I, I hope this really wakes some politicians up in D.C. to, you know, really put country first for once uh-huh. rather than just if the messaging is good. Yeah, I, you, you mentioned those statistics particularly about... Um representative or um or comparable nations it's not only that we're doing we're doing we're not just doing good we are doing the best yeah we're doing like the idea that inflation is self-incurred by the biden administration is the most ridiculous narrative that any republicans ever pushed yeah. because every single nation across the world was experiencing inflation at the exact same time was experiencing negative gdp growth at the exact same time was experiencing um uh, unemployment growth at the exact same time it was all obviously because of one factor which was the pandemic what? the pandemic created supply chain shortages it left took people out of work killed it slowed killed a lot of people it slowed the economy it did all these things the pandemic ending or effectively ending um in in um about 2021 late 2021 uh you can see in the numbers a return to positive GDP growth. We were the first nation to return to positive GDP growth. And you can say that that's just because we came out of the pandemic and everybody else did, but we were the only nation who had positive GDP growth in 2021. And that I would attribute to the American rescue plan, the $2.1 trillion uh, bill passed by the Democrats to reinvest in America, whether that be child tax credits, infrastructure projects, um, stimulus uh checks all these things that stimulated the economy and helped grow the economy that they got rid of as soon as they could yeah so they whatever they got rid of those things but and and we talked about this a little bit uh in the past too that especially when he passed the you know the big spending bill for infrastructure when biden passed it through congress who you know one of the two of them one of the main talking points is in the next six months, year, you are literally going to be able to look outside and see construction happening on roads, on building infrastructure. That could be good. That could be good Republican propaganda, though. Yeah. <laughs> Biden closed all your roads. Apart. Everything's right? broken but, all of a sudden. It worked fine before. What I, happened? I think. I well, did think you hear about that? I-95? Yeah, that was fast. Yeah, that, that was, was fast. fast. That was Class- fast. Classic New Jersey. I I feel like we are finally starting to see the outcomes of these giant spending packages and yeah. how it is going to help us in the long run. And this is what sucks about running on infrastructure. 
right? You are not going to see the outcomes and the fruit of your labor for years. Yes. That's why it's so hard to run on and actually act on sometimes. That's why culture wars become so popular as running points. It's cheap. Yeah. That's very, that's exactly right. You're exactly right, Steve. That's exactly why culture war issues. But I think that at this moment, culture war issues are for the first time since I don't even know. I think culture war issues are a losing battle for Republicans. I I agree. Look in the polling and not only do you see first off that it's unpopular to hate on transgender people. It's also missing the moment. The moment right now is we are about to, for the next couple months, you're about to read in, in your newspaper, local and federal and, and national, you're going to read that inflation is continuing to fall. Unemployment's continuing to fall. Wage growth is continuing to raise, to go up relative to the rate of inflation. People are going to see more disposable income in their, in their pocket. By the year's end, they're going to be wealthier than they were a year ago. Food prices are going to have stopped climbing. Gas prices are going to have stabilized. The economy is going to be in a better spot. And and people will remember when that began and when they started branding Bidenomics. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this, all of that, all of this we've talking we've talked about is what the Biden administration is trying to package into this new slogan, this new term, Bidenomics. It seems like it it stuck a little bit for a couple of days. It was it was trendy. We'll have to see. Yeah, it was trendy. You know, there was a lot of there's a good handful of articles written about it, what it is. Um, it, it seems like the administration is really just picking this up. They didn't actually create it themselves. True. It was it was this rogue article that came out where the reporter, you know, coined the name, which is actually pretty common sense. Um, you know, Bidenomics, it just yeah. it works. Uh, and they picked it up and they ran with it. So this isn't necessarily anything new. That the administration is doing, it is just packaging together what they have done in an easily digestible form for the everyday voter. Right? I think because I think it's it, they got to just keep hammering at home. I wouldn't even engage with Republicans on culture war issues. Exactly. They can they can chirp about it all they want. The Republican strategy for like saying Democrats are bad at economics is they just point to the big price tag on whatever bill is in congress <laughs> and they say look how much money is they're trying to spend are they kidding <laughs> are they kidding where you, are they gonna you, get this money by printing <laughs> right if you if not you by taxing us right explain where the money's coming from what the money's doing people start to see what the money's doing i think you could start to you could start to see some real political success yeah yeah and biden's going on a speaking tour uh it started last week uh in detroit talking about bidenomics but he's going somewhere else on friday and then he's going to start traveling the country when, when is he coming to new york city that's a good question when i don't know coming to Jersey? not soon, not soon we're enough. gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go see him and bill it as a, a business expense that would be One great thing about trump that i'll give him credit for is he came to new jersey a lot <laughs> <laughs> so all of this is it, it feels good we're probably gonna talk touch back in on it soon as good lord like 
the presidential election is it's literally right up. around the corner. It's coming oh up. I know. It's, it's literally up. right around the corner, and this this looks like it could be one of the major talking points. It should and be. It, it 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 should be. I mean, we have to see if it sticks again, because you know I feel like it's kind of fallen off a little bit since that first story came out. Well. Oh. You could just do the hit. Trump thing and say it every day for months, and eventually people will start to think it's true. Yeah, but that's that's how it gets cringy. I don't know. Who knows? No, but this is something. This is something that I think we all agree we can feel good about. Sadly, there is, you know, news. Before you transition, that's really before you do a really good transition. Breaking Stephen, my I want to add. Terrible. I want to add. How am I, I supposed to do this thing. again? I want to add one mm-hmm. more thing because you made a good point. The name sounds cringy now. But think about the progression of Obamacare. True. Obamacare yeah. used to be a very cringy, very unpopular thing. Mm-hmm. People started to realize how much they needed the Affordable Care yeah. Act, how much it really improved the lives of tens of millions of people across America. And all of a sudden, Obama is associated with Obamacare. Obamacare yeah. being a very popular thing now in America, an incredibly yeah. popular thing. So you can I proceed with your transition. So we're but. just going to act like you didn't interrupt me so rudely. Um, so this is something that we could feel really, really good about. But with every positive in this country, there's always seemingly a negative, you know, someone pulling back for all of our progress forward. And that is once again, why are, you, why are you interrupting me? Because I like interrupting. Why you, are you Steven? interrupting me? Once again, <laughs> the people pulling us back are the nine robed magicians six. at six. the highest court and land. The six bad ones. Three of them the are six cool. bad ones. Three of Not, nine cool. of them overall. Um, that is the Supreme Court, one of the major topics we talk about. We one them. of the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love to we talk do not about love them. them. We, we love, love to talk, talk about, them. about them. Actually, I would, I would go to say that we hate to talk about them because every time we talk about them, since we began this podcast... It's always spikes. been negative. Yeah, <laughs> you could tell. We, you know, next next recording, we're gonna have heart rate monitors. We yeah. can see when when heart rate is spiking. <laughs> Actually, a pretty good idea. That would make yeah. a good TikTok. Little like in the right in the bottom. Of us. Man has a heart attack talking about LGBT rights. <laughs> um. So yeah, we actually, um, the Supreme Court is is coming to a close on their current session, and with that. There is actually three major bang, bang, decisions, bang. yeah, That's landmark decisions that affects student loans, affirmative action, and LGBTQ rights. So they're really hitting, you know, everything we're working towards making progress right. on at once. And it's totally, you know, within their within their rights and mm-hmm. what all the American people wanted from an un- unelected group of nine justices that's what we had in mind when we when we when we thought of the supreme court this is what the this is what the founders wanted mm-hmm. definitely what the founders we start would never want should we do affirmative person, action first yes um affirmative action give us a rundown all right well affirmative action basically it's the ability for colleges and universities to consider race in their admissions and now before we continue this is something i I was actually talking to to a family member about and with that very basic description right you could very easily whether 
if you're not informed about the topic, believe, oh, it's a good thing they overruled that. Exactly. But there is there is a lot of nuance to affirmative action and why this is such a horrible thing. Right. And why colleges, all the colleges that use affirmative action in their admissions process, they do it for a reason. They're not doing it for no reason. They do it so that people, minorities that are disenfranchised in society that don't necessarily have the access to all the AP courses, all the extra tutor, SAT tutoring, all that stuff that might not perform as well on these standardized metrics that colleges use for admissions. It's a way to counterbalance that. So you just don't have a bunch of white kids in your college that got 1560s on the SAT because they spent $3,000 studying for it the whole summer. Yeah. The best way I have seen it described and the actual reasoning why it affirmative action became so popular within some of the top universities uh, around the country is you could have a university in New Jersey, for example, where, and these are not actual statistics, where let's say 20% of the population of New Jersey is minority. In that college, before affirmative action was used in the enlisting, you could have a student base of that college not be representative of the actual population of the state. So if you have New Jersey with a 20% minority population and the college only has 6% minority population, affirmative action would make sure that your university is more representative of the true population. Especially right? if it's a public university. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, you, it benefits everybody to have a more diverse group of educated yeah, people in America. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's important to remember um, that American schools, I mean, even though famously we all learn about Brown versus the board, uh, which is the infamous, not infamous, the historic decision. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, historic decision to um, infamous for some. Okay, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, to end, to legally end Supreme Court or the Supreme Court's legal end to segregation in schools, but schools are still largely segregated in America, not legally, but. Um, a third of schools in America are predominantly homogenous, as in predominantly all white or predominantly black. 14% of all schools are entirely ethnically homogenous, as in all students of that school are belong to the same race. And that's all schools, not just colleges. Yeah, that's all. That's public schools across America, including universities, including it's mostly including public schools, grammar schools, middle schools, high schools, but um, all schools, not, there is no law to stop this, but there is every single school in America is socially, socioeconomically segregated as in all schools are segregated by how much money that district makes. Right. So this is the main reason that I'm sure we were going to get to, and I'm sure that you were going to get to, but uh, I just want to interject and say that this is the main reason why affirmative action exists. Not necessarily because black people and Hispanic people are come from and 
other people come from areas that are oh we're including them because of their race it's 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 largely because these areas are also socioeconomically segregated and because of that they are it's it's not because of their race it is because of their their conditions that these that affirmative action needs to exist yeah absolutely that's a that's a great way to digest it so this decision from the supreme court puts an end to that it's unconstitutional and yeah it's this this is this is we are legitimately going to see the this effect of this decision next year immediately i mean as soon as affirmative action i mean it's it's ended in schools before as soon as it ends you see a decrease in minority applicants at the school not only applicants but admissions in the school so i mean yeah. it's going to happen they knew it was going to happen they they can they can pretend that they're trying to be colorblind which is i love that's really funny to me anyway they say they're colorblind mm-hmm. right they don't they don't see color but they know exactly what will happen when they get rid of affirmative action and that's what they want basically yeah. they can they yeah. can pretend so that's strike one yeah. for the supreme court out yeah. of out of three decisions that came from the last week or two number two is student loan forgiveness um, talked a lot about this we have you know it it's easy for us to talk about this and get emotional because this is our generation yeah. uh, and the generation right before us that is burdened by this issue. Tuition costs out of control. The only way to afford it for most, for a lot of students is to take out student loans. Finally, Biden is, is going to throw borrowers a crumb, $10,000 each, $400 billion bill in total. Which, for reference, I know Biden said this in his speech, the PPP loan forgiveness that everybody talks about, um, which is also a loan forgiveness plan for small businesses or congressmen, whichever, you know, (laughs) whichever you classify yourself as. (laughs) That was a $787 billion plan. So almost double the price tag. That just pisses me off right. so much and you can and you can make the case that helping small businesses is a good thing and i might not necessarily disagree with you but i would agree that helping students the next generation of educated workers in america is just as if not way more important than helping yeah. small businesses that might yeah. fail the worst part of this entire thing is seeing well actually not the worst part the second worst part the worst part is not being able to get the money into the hands of these students and prior students the second worst part of it is seeing these goddamn republican politicians going out and attacking the loan forgiveness and then seeing how much money they received Uh, in ppp loans yeah which would be it's it's incredible some of these politicians received not only thousands of dollars not only tens of thousands of dollars, but millions of dollars in some cases, completely forgiven. And they are going to come out and say, we cannot give money to people who are in need that will end up helping the economy anyway. It will bolster the economy and it will help the next generation of college students be able to start their lives, buy houses. They're not 
paying off, you know, build some wealth instead of paying off yeah. loans from 20 years ago. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. So student, the student loan payments were paused in March of 2020. The pandemic, everybody remembers that. They've been paused ever since. They're set to resume in October of this year. So very soon. Now, Biden has already said after this decision that he's going to like immediately. Yeah, he's going to he's still trying to get the loan forgiveness passed. He's going to use the uh, Higher Education Act Mm -hmm. instead of the Heroes Act, which he was using. He thinks that's an avenue to get this through. Um, But, you know, we'll see. whatever. Um, But he also said that there. I think you can't default on your debt right away. He's going to give it a year for borrowers that have to resume payments in October. Mm-hmm. They get a year to get back on their feet and start making these payments if it fails and he it, he, he isn't able to pass a student loan forgiveness. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to add to that. A lot of these borrowers, 26.2 million people have already signed up for this. They were counting on that extra $10,000 that they weren't having to pay. They were planning their future based on the fact that they would not have to pay back at least $10,000 of their loans. And now that's completely wiped away because the Supreme court, uh, didn't, didn't like it. I don't know. What was their reasoning here? Uh, the reasoning was the so-called major questions, mm-hmm. uh, doctrine. And that essentially says it's a, it's a legal theory that says, there must be clear congressional authorization for when the executive branch decides an issue of vast economic or political significance. So that basically means nothing. That means nothing. They just said they want Congress to do it, but they conveniently chose when Congress was Republican to issue this statement. Hmm. Also, if I may add... Congress has decided clearly they've passed the Heroes Act. Yeah, they passed the Heroes Act, which is the basis of the of the uh, litigation. I mean, he's also now going to the higher um, the Higher Education Act, which is another act passed by Congress. God forbid the Supreme Court doesn't let this happen too. They're being hypocritical. It that pisses me off so much. Their exact reasoning for it is is completely invalid. Yeah, I mean the language in the Heroes Act. If you if you if you read it, you would think, oh, so like so, so like Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. It says <laughs> <laughs> the Heroes Act, the law authorizes education secretary to waive or modify student financial assistance programs for borrowers in connection with a national emergency. Like I don't know, twenty twenty, COVID yeah. pandemic. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but the the problem with that is it wasn't real. Time. Oh, oh, no, it, it was wasn't actually an emergency. Right? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It, actually, it literally feels like the only option is is court packing, and I'd be so down. He I'd be did, so down. Yeah, he did say he wasn't going to court pack though. I know he he doesn't a little have silly. the balls. He doesn't. He doesn't. Nor does he have the support from Congress, most likely. Right. Of course yeah. not. I don't think there's. I don't think anybody at this point. There's no. There's no plausible majority that would support court packing. They might support if court we reform. A- but um, I don't know if we want to get into what court reform entails. But they should make yeah. all the justices run two miles, and then whichever ones are alive after the two miles get to stay on the court and then replace <laughs> the rest. <laughs> 
Wait, that's the best take I've heard on any of this. <laughs> that's the best take I've heard. It it feels like we're reaching a point where it's like, if we're not going to do anything about the Supreme Court now, something has. Will to we ever? They are. Will we ever? They are. They they are feeling their power and they're using it. Really, I mean, we we used to never hear about the court like this so frequently with such just impactful decisions and now it seems like every couple months we are and when they did release a statement you would see supreme court you know completely all nine of them agree that on on a thing that they were doing or at least like one or two of them disagreed it wasn't just the six republican nominated ones saying one thing and then the other three saying we're here too yeah but it doesn't really matter because they're just kind of there yeah the court has definitely politicized itself it's hard to say it's hard to listen to people go oh democrats have been politicizing the court with their activist judges when clearly the court itself has become a political institution by its own discretion yeah Um, absolutely to get a little bit into court reform though if we can um there's something that's called judicial review, which is very unique to America. It's the idea that the Supreme Court can the the highest court in the land, which is us, the Supreme, the, which is in this case the Supreme Court, has the ability to review whether it be legislation, acts of Congress, acts of the presidency, acts of states, anything like that, has the ability to review it make a decision and that hold legitimacy and be the new new rule right and it's it was not something that the founders intended it's not something written into the constitution it was something the supreme court gave itself and i believe the decision was stefan versus marbury you can look it up listeners at home um and it's this decision that basically says, yeah, we, the Supreme Court, get to decide shit. Sorry, that's what we get to mm. do. And this was in like the 19th century, and people were like, well, that's fucked up, but what are we going to do about it? And then they kind of moved on. Same thing, it's the same, basically same story as the filibuster. If you guys know the origin story of the filibuster, don't have to get into that now. Um, it'll come up. <laughs> um and now we're, and it didn't really become an issue until like the late 19th century with um, the super racist Supreme Court during the Lincoln administration and after Reconstruction that decided that Plessy versus Ferguson and separate but equal and all that shit. Um, but getting rid of judicial review and making it so the Supreme Court doesn't have the final say on everything and rebalancing the branches of Congress, I feel like is a very realistic piece of court reform that we can pursue. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if the decided an election, like the court has been. Oh, oh yeah. That being for a while now, that was ridiculous. That was a stolen election. We can talk about that later though. <laughs> No, I think you bring up a lot of incredible points that aren't discussed openly that often, Joe. I mean, the first thing that you hear about when when you hear about court reform is, you know, age limits or how long you could work on the court, where I think there there is some some better better solutions or more effective idea. solutions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we are just out of time. We're gonna have to leave the LGBTQ story for you all. First thing next week, hopefully we'll have some updates for it as, and it's incredibly sad and impactful, but 
there is newfound discoveries that it's possibly completely based off of nothing, right. not even a real standing, which no, no defendant. There's, it's just like imaginary. It's just fake. It's Republican. It's the Republican mind virus. Yeah. At the best. So you hear about that first thing next week. Other than that, I feel like today was, you know, a little bit of, you know, the ups and the downs. Fuck Ronald Reagan. Fuck the Supreme Court. Basically. Yeah. 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 And let's go Joe Biden. Let's go Brandon. And, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong with a little Coke in the White House. How do you <laughs> think stuff got done in like the 80s? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, you think that these... All right, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but you think that these politicians were reading those huge ass bills <laughs> in the 80s without a little cocaine in their system? Okay, well, here's the difference. I don't think they were reading them at all. Thomas. No, I don't think so. Right, I think whatever, the chief of staff whatever. were. But. <laughs> so with that, make sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, where you could find some clips of these videos edited, uh, some funny, you know, you know, funny little memes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um and thank you all so much for listening thanks guys thank you guys a great rest of your night day or afternoon yeah bye, bye.